Hi everyone, I'm Becky. And I'm Claire. And welcome to the first ever episode of Podway! Alright, so this is the podcast where we'll discuss all things musical theater all the time, and today we'll be talking about The Waitress. Okay, perfect. So um, we'll just give you like a brief synopsis of what Waitress is. And essentially, we took this directly from the Wikipedia. Um, Yeah, I know, right? They have excellent quality of articles. So that's why we do it. Um, So essentially, Waitress tells the story of Jenna Hutterson. um, And she's a baker and a waitress in an abusive relationship with her husband, Earl. Um, And after she unexpectedly becomes pregnant, she begins an affair with her doctor, Dr. Jim Palmetter. Um, And while looking for ways out of her trouble, she sees a pie baking contest and its grand prize as her chance to get out. Um, So one interesting fact about this musical is that it made history um, because it was the first and from what I can find actually only musical where all of the four main creative roles which are director choreographer writer and composer were women and actually the reason why we chose it as the very first musical that to talk about on this podcast is that this is the very first musical becky and i watched together but actually i have the waitress um playbill right next to me i took it out especially from like the i have a little like binder with all the um playbills. No. Do you? I do. <laughs> you, you don't? I, feel I mean, like you I watch, do. Like, at least as many. Exactly, right? But I, I keep feel the like ticket, any... but not the flyers in, in the playbill. Really? Yeah. No. I'm so curious to see, like, oh, you know, who played whom when I watched the thing and then, like, read about it after. And... I should probably have done that, though, because there are times <laughs> when I'm like, oh, that person who plays whoever character was fantastic and I want to look her up and I don't remember who she was um but yeah moving on let's uh just look into song by song comparison or song by song analysis I know this is an exciting part because uh I mean honestly who doesn't come to a musical looking for some great music Okay, so let's go into the songs themselves so we're starting off with what's inside What's Inside is an opening song to this whole musical. For any audience out there who's literally know nothing about Waitress and you base your knowledge on what Becky just said about the whole plot, it's Mm -hmm. actually a very light musical. So it's not like one of those heavy, dark musicals that you talk about abusive relationship and how to... Yeah, seriously? I thought the whole thing was very, very light. I mean, the themes of it are kind of dark in my opinion no <laughs> i mean i'm saying the vibe the vibe oh the vibe the vibe is yeah. like for sure for sure but i mean the the musical itself also de- deals with like abuse the cycle of abuse domestic abuse stuff like that so it yeah, does have obviously. very like dark notes i wouldn't recommend it to people to like for parents to bring children who are like under 12 or so i'd say so yeah <laughs> And 
so um, I really, like I said, I really thought the the waitress has like more of a lighter vibe, at least in the beginning. Like you can um, sense that kind of like um, busy vibe. It's from... very whimsical. I feel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like the vibe for sure, and it has a lot of like whimsical elements. So I totally agree. Yeah. And um, so, I th- I think if you look at the lyrics, though, the lyrics, it says, um, what's inside? Everybody wants to know what's inside. So that's talking about the pie. Like, we talk about, right? Like, Jenna is a baker, and she's very good at baking pies. So it seems like the very first song is about how, like, the pies that she's baking and her life mm-hmm. as a baker. But mm-hmm. as I was rewatching this, I kind of thought that it also kind of hints on that inside that Jenna doesn't feel very comfortable showing true I mean uh, I totally agree with that but I also think in that specific regard of um, what's inside everybody wants to know what's inside when she says and I always tell them but I feel more than words can say it kind of also brings me back to later in a musical we see a lot of times where the ingredients that Jenna puts in the pie have meaning so because the ingredients of the pie mean a lot more to her than just being the ingredients themselves it can also harken back to that not just like oh you know her life is a mess and she doesn't want to reveal too much about it it's like Mm -hmm. making the pies itself is a whole artistic thing for her Uh, but yeah some things that I noticed about it is um, the first thing we hear obviously is sugar butter flour and we hear it like echoing in a very like beautiful way from the stage and it doesn't come from like a that, for me, that was a little bit creepy. <laughs> really? Oh no, I actually loved it. It reminded me. It reminded me of like Voice of God. You know how it always like comes from above in like theatrical productions and like movies and whatever. Thought it was like almost divine in the way that it's sang. So for me, it was really wow. beautiful. <laughs> Um, but it's interesting to see how different it is for us. Um, so this is like a refrain, the sugar butter flower that we hear throughout the musical. We hear it like constantly. And I don't know if I'm reading way too much into it. Let me know, Claire. To me, okay, it sounded like it's kind of a call to action. To me, it felt like the call of destiny, the call of fate, and I'm maybe overreaching. But every time that we hear sugar butter flower, Jenna has like an opportunity to better her life, I feel. I don't think... I I can't say I saw it that way to be honest (laughs) maybe it just didn't appear to me that way but that's a very interesting point but to be really honest though kind of taking a step backward just Mm -hmm. listening to the song makes me really hungry like guys if you go to watch this musical (laughs) holy cow like it makes me really crave for like sweets afterwards that is interesting that you say because I mean, we know when we went to see it, and I think it's like a feature of the musical whenever they show it, they always offer pies, and like there is a smell of pie wafting through like <laughs> the hole and everything. It's like very appetizing. Personally, I hate pies. I really dislike the pie crust, and the filling is usually not that nice. Um, and even I was craving pies when I went to see it because the smell was that good. Do you like pies, actually? That's a real question here. I that do is- like pies, I think. Um, (laughs) I mean it depends on what it is Mm -hmm. sometimes I like look at like I don't know like pumpkin pie or something and I'm like "Mm, yeah maybe not but if it's like (laughs) like a cheese pie or like an apple pie I like apple pies too it's like cheesecake but instead of having like the the crust sorry instead of having like the the what do you call them like the cookie thingy at the bottom you have the pie crust instead for me, like, the crust is just too heavy. So anything, like, that is 
featuring a lot of crust, like most traditional pies I will not like, but something like pumpkin pie I can have occasionally. It's funny how I said, like, I don't like pumpkin pie, and you said that the pumpkin pie is the only pie you can eat. No, no, I mean, if it's like um, a pie that doesn't have like a top crust, mm-hmm. would it be a tart? Would it still be a pie? I'm not sure. But if it doesn't have a top crust, I could possibly stomach it. When you said pumpkin, pumpkin pie, I was actually really excited because I thought like she's going to say something that is really positive about pumpkin pie, but I guess you didn't really. Well, and, and that way we can make like the perfect duel, right? Like you can eat the pies I don't like and I can eat the pies that you don't eat. Which is almost all of them. Going back to the sugar butter flour like sequence. Another theory that I had is that, like, they symbolize something, like, each ingredient. I'm not entirely sure (laughs) what they symbolize. I have two options. So one of the options I had that I was curious about is uh, sugar, butter, flour, our Becky, um, Jenna, and Dawn. And then the other... Uh, idea that I the other idea that I had was sugar butter flour are essential ingredients to uh, succeeding or fulfilling your dream because sugar butter flour are obviously the main ingredients in a pie you can't have a pie without them so another the other theory that I had is they symbolize three things that you can't succeed without having um, and I'll go a bit more in depth with that specific idea later on. I think in the conclusion, probably will I'll mention it more. Um, but the last thing I wanted to say about this song is that it's pretty not traditional because uh, usually the first song in musical theater um, or musicals in general, I guess, tend to kind of feature the status quo of the character, like how they normally live their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get a good idea of their world. And that actually really... Um, describes well the next song, which is opening up. We see a lot of like the main characters, or like so, I guess supporting characters, obviously, um, in this case. So a very significant amount of them are either mentioned or we visually see them. Interestingly enough, the the way that the song opens is kind of like breaking from uh, Jenna's reverie, which was like the um, the what's inside. And then I think the first the first line is by Cal, who is the owner of the well, not the owner of the diner. He's like the manager, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then we are also introduced to the other supporting characters, which are Don, Becky, mentioned Cal already, and we also hear about Jenna's husband for the first time. Uh, his name is Earl. So it's really actually quite a dense song because we get so much information just from this one segment. And uh, something I find really interesting is usually you would only focus on the main characters and these kind of like songs and you would only focus on getting the status quo of the world from their perspective. But I think both Becky and Dawn get a lot of uh, like backstory and their own perspective in there as well. So you can kind of see that they're really main almost supporting characters. Like they have a lot of gravitas in the story. And the whole song that is structured, like, it kind of introduced them, like, one by one pretty nicely manner, so mm-hmm. you're not too confused. To mm-hmm. be honest, there isn't really that many supporting characters anyways, so sure. I think, like, the audience won't get confused. Yeah, exactly. And in terms yeah. of, like, the supporting characters, we do get to see a lot of their personalities. So, for example, um, Dawn 
Uh, let's start with her. You get to see that she is actually pretty content with where she is. She mm-hmm. probably has like mild OCD, or that's how they're trying to feature her. She's very like spastic, uh, very kind, a bit of a, an airhead. Um, and she is actually very content, or at least she says she's very content mm-hmm. about where she is at life. And that's in direct contrast to Becky. Um, and what we get from her is actually uh, she tried getting out of this place she tried making it big i guess she tried fulfilling her dreams and it didn't succeed so because of the lack of success she had to go back and she's very unhappy with where she is um because she would like better things from her life however mm-hmm. um she really has like she has no other options um uh, which is like essentially polar opposites of each other which i think is really interesting in the middle you have kind of like jenna one side you have don and the other side you have becky yeah, so actually the one assumption I was kind of making, so this is solely my theory, okay, guys, mm-hmm. is that Becky and Don, like, each represents, like, a side of Jenna. I mean, we'll get to this, like, later down the road when we talk about other songs as well, but I think, really, you can see Jenna in both characters, too. I just thought that is very interesting, like, how these three characters, they're very different in terms of their personality, but at the same time, they're very close. And you can see that they're supporting each other throughout the musicals and how they help each other grow in a way. So we get to see how close and these three's relationship look like in the next song, which is the negative. Yeah, it really shows us how close they are. Like they talk about things that are really personal that I wouldn't necessarily discuss with my friends or coworkers. Um, you get to see a bit more of their personality. Like for example, you get to see that Don is very much an airhead. Uh, Becky tends to be like really crass or abrasive and she curses pretty often. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think like they do an amazing job characterizing them without like a ton of exposition um, and just like giving them a tone and a life of their own. It's really interesting. So for those well. who don't know, <laughs> the negative is the song when Jenna finds out whether or not she was pregnant. This is when the three of them are talking about how life will look like if she gets pregnant and um, and how, like, I guess, anxious Jenna is and how they're, like, trying to calm her down and things like that. Obviously, by the end of the song, you we are revealed that Jenna in, is indeed pregnant. But mm-hmm. just how the song is structured is also really funny. Oh, my God. Like, if you watch it live, it's very, very funny. And it definitely shows character and personality, too. But something about their closeness, uh, thank you for summarizing, by the way, what the song is about, is that Jenna didn't even notice or didn't even think about doing the pregnancy test by herself. I think uh, Becky and Don noticed that she was feeling nauseous and recognized as a symptom of pregnancy. So um, that really shows you how caring they are towards each other and how close they are, um, which I think is a really interesting point. Yeah, and the other key piece of information that we get from this is that Jenna it has a husband, and we know that for sure. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um, and we also know that she and her husband probably doesn't don't get along very well, and then things are mm-hmm. not great between them. Because otherwise, she would probably do the the test with her husband, right? And uh, and she wouldn't be panicking so much. So really, get to see that sort of like a hint on what's gonna happen next. Uh, the lyrics, uh, Don says, I thought you don't sleep much with your husband anymore. And Jenna says, well, he got me drunk. I do stupid things when I drink. Okay, so I don't know if I'm being overly sensitive here. But for me, it kind of indicates like, it gives me a real red flag. Because I think he got me drunk. 
in order to sleep with me is like what what came to my mind so that sounds really abusive it sounds like rape so while her not wanting to have the pregnancy test with her husband uh, or wanting to get pregnant at all didn't really raise any like questions for me this one definitely did okay so moving on um after the negative there is uh what baking could do but i guess we can discuss what happened in between um so essentially like right after she learns about her pregnancy um her husband earl shows up and during that segment we see a lot of like abusive behaviors he constantly puts her down uh she serves him a piece of her pie and she mentions the contest i believe and he says that her pies are good but they're not good enough to win any awards so it's also putting her down and nagging her so i feel like all of the all of these like signs are like constant abusive behavior yeah i don't know i feel like from that alone like i feel like he really looks at her as a sexual object mainly and then is a person a little bit if not at all um so i don't know about um if he really sees her solely as a sexual object that part mm-hmm. but i can definitely say that um like i see or like trying to see jenna as something less than she is and this mm-hmm. is very common in abusive relationship too like you're trying to talk the other person down you're trying to make them feel like they're less worthy and stuff mm-hmm. and you can see how jenna's mood like you know fighting out that she was pregnant is bad enough but seeing carl and hearing what he has to say about her pies and everything definitely like brings her down even more and mm-hmm. um and i think that's like what leads to what baking can do because what baking can do it's like um, a song that kind of tells you like how she is trying to distract herself from this all this mm-hmm. negative negative mood that she gets from from earl and how she is trying to escape and she is trying to distract and take that away distract herself from this fact that she like her most beloved person or like the partner that is supposed to be supportive and loving and caring is hurting her the most and this mm-hmm. is when the song what baking can do comes in and we can see that really she's using baking as sort of like a coping mechanism to distract herself from all these hurtful things that her husband said to her fact about the song it's actually a late edition uh i believe it was actually added specifically f- during the broadway run and it didn't mm-hmm. exist before broadway uh it replaced a song called door number three i'm curious to hear it uh but uh this is an excellent song it's actually my second favorite it's uh it's an amazing audition song specifically uh very well done i enjoy it tremendously and just like claire says i totally agree it's a song all about using baking as an escape um and a lot of it seems like there's a lot of language that she uses like uh, i'll slice and serve my worries away um fix this all this kind of stuff that seems very escapist to me but when she mentions like i can fix this in conjunction with like every door we have we ever made we didn't once walked out of 
Uh, it seems like this is something that she uses personally, but she never actually, like baking, I mean, uh, but she never actually uses it to improve her life. That's why it's like solely an escape. And mm-hmm. uh, something to lift her mood and that's it. And not necessarily even just like with her husband, obviously he was the inciting incidents for this song. Uh, but in general, like any, any kind of like transgression that happens or any kind of like um, momentary lapse in her mood, she immediately goes to the space where she is baking to make sure that she holds herself together in her job and in her day-to-day life rather than just like, oh, you know, sweeping it under the rug as in this this issue doesn't happen. And the reason why I feel that is because later on we see that she um, she's thinking about leaving Earl and she was thinking about even before the pregnancy. She was hiding money all over the place and thinking about a way where she can uh, leave him. And part of the reason why she's also crushed about this pregnancy is it means that she's chained to him forever in this song we first get to see the cycle of abuse and we do actually get to see that uh, her mom was abused um in the in the stage production you get to see in the background there are two actors playing their mom and the dad and you can see their interaction and it's very violent and i think it's really really interesting this is not actually the first time that she refers to the mother uh she refers to the mother immediately in the first song in what's inside having her mother a little bit more flushed out and the relationship she has with her. I feel like she, the way she views her mother is very, uh, she idolizes her, to be honest, and she loves her. And the way she sees it is like really protective of her in the worst possible circumstances. To me, it just seems like it's like a condition that, or like a situation that she is familiar. And, um, and maybe that is why that she can't tolerate with her current situation. Honestly, her mom, even though we never really see her, um, is has so much characterization. Um, she actually gets featured so much. She gets featured probably more than Cal, more than like other other cast members. So honestly, I feel like there is a lot we can say yeah. about her mom. Mm-hmm. And this is just like the first time when we get to see a little bit more and about um, her relationship to her mom and how it affects her currently. So after that, essentially, we see uh, Jenna going to the doctor's office to see how far along she is in the pregnancy. And uh, when she gets there, we get to hear uh, the song Club Knocked Up, mm-hmm. which is like pretty fun song, not going to lie. It's pretty <laughs> inconsequential. It's very like, short. It's very cute. I yeah. know. I know. It's like a, I, I think it's a nice like a bridge between what mm-hmm. just happened, which is kind of, you know, like maybe a little bit heavier, a little bit darker to like the next scene, which is like a more lighter. And now it's about the newborn. We're going to talk about your baby, which is hopefully <laughs> hopeful and, and mm-hmm. you know, cheerful too. Right. True. Um, I actually yeah. noticed something kind of um, something that, uh, perpetuates throughout the entire musical they sandwich the really harsh moments or the really like moments with gravitas between yeah. very light-hearted moments which I appreciate that sandwich strategy I love it that's what gives the musical that like very fun and whimsical feel to it but yeah in in terms of like that scene we also get to see Dr. Pometer for the first time our dashing love interest um, we get to see he's like a really nervous kind of person, very like socially awkward. And apart from that, we don't get to see much about him. He's really funny. I don't know. He's like... hilarious. I love him. I mean, he's he has such a staple, socially awkward person. Yeah. I think it was a staple in like 
the early 2010s or something like that that you see everywhere uh like very geeky very meek I like that to be honest yeah I think I have a spot for like the social awkwardness yes oh my I can relate right (laughs) (laughs) um okay and after that we essentially go back to the diner um and we kind of like get to delve into Don's reluctance um to date uh with a song when he sees me is what if when he sees me what if he doesn't like it what if he runs the other way and i can't hide from you what happens then i think the song is cute or like funny it's adorable it's so cute (laughs) yeah um but a deeper level I also think that this is how Jenna sees herself. So remember how we talk about how I think that um, the two supporting characters, Becky and Dawn, each represents like a side of Jenna. Mm-hmm. Dawn is that side where Jenna feels insecure about herself. Mm-hmm. That she feels that she's constantly down or below um, other people and that she's not confident. She's scared. She's like, you know, nervous about putting herself out there to see about other possibilities. And then that she thinks that she probably doesn't deserve to meet somebody mm-hmm. nice. And I feel like I see that side of Jenna from from this song, even though it is supposed to be like a funny and cute and, and lighthearted and cheerful song that we see like Dawn trying to, <laughs> to date somebody. But mm-hmm. I really think that it kind of reflects that uncertainty uh, of Jenna's life. Seeing Dawn going through this whole process gives mm-hmm. us as audience and hopefully mm-hmm. gives Jenna as a, a, a character in the show that there is this hope. Like it kind of hints on like, you know, what could be out there, what could possibly be other possibilities for Jenna. Okay, that is completely different than what I thought. So um, really interesting. For me, a little bit about the song before is like this is the first song um, I heard from the musical. So this is how I got introduced to the musical. Uh, it's so funny it's so hilarious and it starts off really really funny like a lot of the songs actually have a tendency to do they start very like um with a very airy I'd say like very fun or like not as serious tone and then as they progress they do get like more pronounced and more heavy with uh the song Mm-hmm. And this is something that happens here, too. So in here, essentially, like, Dawn finds ridiculous reasons to reject her dates, like, or eat Oreos and eat the cookies before the cream, um, which I agree, by the way, is a horrible thing to do. And I don't even like Oreos. But, like, why on earth would you have a sandwich cookie you wouldn't eat the cream first? I completely understand, Dawn. But uh, when the so- like, song later progresses... Like, we get to see the real reasons why she's rejecting them, which is, like, she's afraid of being rejected herself. Um, so, actually, a very real and very cute song. I, I think it will be relatable to a lot of people. But in terms of, like, what you said about how you view the relationship between Don and Jenna, that's not what how I view them. Um, but I could see where you're coming from. My theory was that, well, Don and Becky are um, facets of Jenna in terms of, like, Dawn is Becky is Jenna's past and Becky could be Jenna's future. Um, so Dawn is Jenna's past if she didn't meet Earl. Her her eventual relationship with Ogie, who later becomes her husband, is what could have been if she never met Earl and she'd never gotten into a relationship with him. 
and uh, Becky and uh, how she's living her life is Jenna's future if she uh, continues the way she does. So this is how I viewed them. Very different from how you viewed them. Uh, but I totally see where you're coming from with John, like representing Becky's insecurity. Uh, sorry, Jenna's insecurity. She's very, she's very uh, anxious person, Dawn. And she has a lot of like eccentricities. And I think Jenna also has these eccentricities, like with the pie making, especially. That's when we see it most. And also with her intra- uh, interaction with Dr. Pometer, we get to see a bit more of like the less streamlined personality of Jenna. Um, so I think it's really interesting. So that was okay. that was my line of thinking. They're like very they're parallel to each other, but interesting. <laughs> but uh, they they have like um, they have some kind of relationship. I'm just not a hundred percent sure as to what it is. I do see similarities in terms of personality, like you mentioned, but I think it also has something to do with their path in life. Right. Okay. So moving on from that, we um, we get to see Jenna uh, in the diner after this whole kerfuffle with Don, and she's serving Joe, who is actually the owner of the diner, um, and he's very difficult to deal with um, as a person, but Jenna can get along with him, and he notices right away she's pregnant. Uh, we also get to see a little bit of a glimpse towards his past. He like reminisces about a girl that he once knew that she was pregnant as well, but she lost the baby and we can assume that he was mm. the father and uh, she was his would-be wife. Um, so a bit of a tragic past there. Um, and I think it's actually a really interesting contrast with Earl who like didn't notice that she was pregnant right away, but only noticed like superficial things about her appearance. Um, and didn't like think about hard enough to connect the dots unlike uh, Joe who connected right away. Mm-hmm. And um we can see he has a bit more of a paternal relationship with Jenna. He is the person here that tells her about the uh, National Pie Bake Off, uh, which is a really important part in the musical because the uh, prize for winning the Bake Off is like $20,000, which is really significant. Um, with that kind of money, Jenna can start a new life for her and for the baby. After the diner, Jenna uh, takes the bus to get back home and she runs into Dr. Pometer. Uh, when she went to the doctor's uh, visit, like the doctor visit, like in the initial t- part time when we first met him, um, she was taking a pie with her and she gave it to him. And then he's essentially boosting her confidence, saying how amazing that pie is and it's the best he ever had. And uh, they they reminisce about their own childhood and uh, what what they remind each other of essentially in uh in it only takes taste um yeah which is which is a pretty interesting song what did you think of it honestly I don't think much of it like it was nope. just like <laughs> it was just like a pretty ordinary song to me I think it's kind of cute I mean obviously it's a very straightforward allegory to uh, oh this is a relationship it only takes a taste like oh you know I only need a little bit of you to know that this is something I want more um, and this has the veneer of talking about the pie, but it's obviously talking about each other. And I think like it shows that this is something that, like they are both interested in each other. Obviously, it's a it's a pretty like straightforward song, but it's really really important to the plot. So Jenna gets back home after taking the bus, and um, essentially Earl 
uh, is home and he demands Jenna's tip money that she earned throughout the day. Again, an abusive behavior, like not giving her means to her own financial situation, um, means, meaning she's dependent on him. And essentially, whenever we see Earl, he demands a kiss from her, which I think is a is a hint to how childish she actually is. It kind of feels to me like they're playing grown up in his like idea it's like oh you know a dutiful wife needs to give a kiss to her husband whenever she comes so I think it's another sign of like another sign of childishness of how demanding he is of her body uh and of herself um and he's about to beat her in order to avoid getting beaten she admits to him that she's pregnant and initially actually he's pretty happy about it and then almost immediately he realizes that by adding another person to their family, uh, it could potentially mean that she would love the baby more than him. He wouldn't be the priority in her life. And he uh, attempts to get her to promise him that she wouldn't love anybody more than him. And that's essentially what happens in the song, You Will Still Be Mine. Now promise me to the end of time These are ties that Sing it, honey. Yeah, I think it's actually very like I had a big what the fuck moment when mm-hmm. when I saw that he was uh, demanding Jenna to promise that she will never love the baby more than she loves him. And I was like, what what is happening? Like, what the heck is wrong with this dude? But on second thought, I actually kind of feel almost bad. Like, I mean, I know that Earl's supposed to be like the bad guy, like the villain. Like in no way that I support an abusive relationship. But really, from that slight moment, I can see that like he like he needs that unconditional love. Like he needs somebody like Jenna to like support and love and care for him hundred percent if not like a thousand percent so mm-hmm. in a way like I don't know maybe this is like me reading too much maybe I do but I just feel like he is a very self-focused man that he For needs sure. that kind of attention he needs that kind of love and an admiration like at the same time I don't like him obviously but at the same mm-hmm. time I feel really bad for him too because like, maybe I he didn't that. get that mm-hmm. from, like, the family or something. Like, he needs somebody like Jenna to, like, fully devote herself to him. But you can see it in this song, like, You'll Still Be Mine. It's supposed to be a sweet song. If you just read the title, it sounds like a love song that happens mm-hmm. in every musical. But mm-hmm. actually, it feels like it's like a cage that Jenna cannot escape from. Because whatever... 100%. Yeah, like, whatever she does... Wherever she goes, that she will eventually still be owned by Earl. And this this sense of ownership really mm-hmm. is what is keeping Jenna away from all the possibilities. You can see that, friend, like, even the beginning of the song, when the lyric says, um, when we were just kids, and Earl says, I had my sixth string, and you had your own thing. Although I don't remember mm-hmm. what I was. So you can see that Earl don't doesn't remember who, what Jenna was doing, or who Jenna was, in in a sense, that he doesn't care about her personality, he doesn't care about her, he doesn't understand her as an individual. So really, all he needs is that level of unconditional love. He doesn't care about whether it's Jenna or somebody else, as long as 
he can be provided with that level of attention. You just need that's somebody the, like he can keep by his side at all times. That's the thing, though. I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of romantic love, the parallel we have to Earl is obviously Dr. Pometer, um, since they have an affair. From what we see about Jenna, like we can definitely see that she's willing to dedicate herself wholly and completely to um, a romantic partner. So this is not the issue. The issue is he absolutely needs somebody to dote on him and to take care of him and who prioritizes him as a person. But if he is not willing to give the same kind of um, priority to somebody else above themselves even, to like really care about somebody to and like as much as he wants to be cared for then obviously this is not going to work out like it doesn't matter if it's Jenna it doesn't matter if it's anybody else the outcome will still be the same because nobody wants to be in a one-sided relationship and just like you mentioned yourself um though you had your own things and I don't remember what it is he only remembers himself and that lack of attention to Jenna is probably what started her like not liking him in the first place regardless of like the other abusive relationship like it usually starts small right you don't start by hitting somebody because somebody will leave you usually start with small things uh of abuse like the nagging like the putting somebody constantly down or whatever um and I think that's that's just another behavior that is preventing himself from being loved because they did used to have a loving relationship and that's the entire point of the song so mm-hmm. um like with Don's song we're starting with something is really like light and airy with her song when he sees me it starts pretty light and airy and even comedic because it's so blatantly obvious how much he only remembers himself and how much he doesn't care about jenna that like you have to laugh right it also kind of parallels the relationship because it starts from like kind of giving a flashback to how they were when they were younger before they got married and before the current situation and as the song progresses we get to where they are right now and with that the tone also shifts so the tone goes from something that is really comedic to something that is really menacing and very scary actually and I think it's really impressive how um like you mentioned with the lyrics themselves like they seem like a very loving um lyrics uh and just by changing the music and the acting of this you get a completely different read of something that is super menacing and actually really, really scary. Um, so really kudos to uh, the actors and the uh, music. And throughout the song, you see a lot of like signs of abuse because he's trying to remind her of the good times uh, to make her forget about the current bad times, which is another really well-known tactic in abuse. It's like, oh, I can't love him because I can't leave him because it used to be really nice. And sometimes he still buys me flowers or sometimes he still asks about my day. So he's not all bad. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like rationalizing this. So I find a lot of uh, um, interesting ways that they find to interject common abusive behaviors, as well as like putting it in a perspective of a story with going from like the past narrative to present narrative for sure after this uh really like hard hitter of a song i'd say that uh you get to see how bad her situation is you cut to the diner um and we learn that don has a date and uh they monologue or or they sing about um their dreams and what dreams mean to them
And in terms of the song itself, it's actually my favorite song in the entire musical. And in my opinion, this this specific song, I was astounded by how beautiful they all sounded together when they sang. It is so peaceful. It reminds me of a lullaby. And it's just so wholesome. You get to see how nice they are to each other. It's so refreshing <laughs> to see how nice the Friends characters are to each other and how they support each other unconditionally and you get to see each other like they're the facets of their personality i i really love this song i really like it um, <laughs> i can see that i guess i don't share that kind of enthusiasm oh, yeah. about the song i thought okay. like, I mean, don't get me wrong i still think it's a nice song but yeah. it's just not to that level <laughs> of love and passion i say ah uh, that's okay that's okay something that i thought was really interesting is uh the perspective each each of the people or each of the characters take of what dreams mean to them. And I think it's like best symbolizes with um, the nothing I can feel, nothing I can hold, nothing that I have, nothing that I know segment of it. Mm -hmm. And then this is a segment where each of the characters essentially takes their, like sings their own individual line. And Jenna has two lines. Jenna sings nothing I can feel and nothing that I know. Dawn sings nothing that I can hold and Becky sings nothing I can have and I think it symbolizes each other's struggle really well so obviously with when Dawn says nothing I can hold it's about like her relationship um it's something that is like a very physical obstacle rather than something that is meant also mental but like I feel like it's more of a physical obstacle of meeting the right person because she's really reserved uh so this is her struggle Becky's nothing I can have is about like the failed dreams that she has. She already tried fulfilling her dream and it didn't work out and that's why she's where she is right now. So she feels like she can't have another dream anymore. She feels like she has some kind of emptiness. And then with Jenna, nothing um, I can feel and nothing that I know. She's right now around a lot of um, issues in terms of like, there are a lot of uncertainties the pregnancy brings and she has emotional void that she has with her relationship to Earl. Um, so I feel like this is something that each of these characters struggle with. And, uh, yeah, and they, they showcase it very well here, I think. That's really interesting. I never thought of it that way. But, like, as you put it, I think it makes sense in my head now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could be reading too much into it, of course. But I just think, because each of the characters have an arc, yeah. And you, you get to see the things they each struggle with. They all have their struggles, essentially, and you get to see all of their struggles in this one song and how they support each other. And I think it's really cute. But yeah, moving on. Essentially, we have quite a bit happening. So uh, we get a montage of Jenna saving money and hiding it from Earl um, so she can leave. So um, after we get this montage, and then we cut back to the diner, we meet Ogie, who was Don's date. He's weird, <laughs> to put it lightly. He's very odd. He's a bit eccentric. No, he's very and awkward. He's, he's like he's the weirdest person, seriously. And he uh, starts singing Never Ever Getting Rid of Me when uh, Don doesn't want to see him after their date. Ever, ever get rid of me. 
honestly, when I first heard about the song, I thought it was like funny. And obviously, because Augie is such a weird character and he's so awkward and so just so strange, um, that makes the song kind of funny. But oh, if you really sure, think about sure. it, it's like this dude just won't back off. Like, mm-hmm. even if I tell you to, like, fuck off. Well, okay, well, sorry. But if I tell you, you that. Say, you can say I, it's a. Yeah. Well, everyone's adult, right? I hope. But anyways, um, even if you tell somebody used to, you know, like, I don't want to see you ever again. And I don't think this is working out. And um, and if they just keep on coming back. And just be like, mm-hmm. well, you're not going to get rid of me. What the heck? 100%. Yeah, so. I don't know. Like, to me, it has, like, that kind of sort of, like, a stalker, creepy vibe. <laughs> but, but I just think that because yeah. the visual representation of the song is so funny that it probably wouldn't occur to the audiences first. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, just to put it in context, when uh, Claire and I went to see it, it's probably the most engaging song out of every other song there. Like, it's so much fun. The audience usually loves it. Like, they eat it up. You can't help but be super engaged with them. Um, and that makes it very, very fun, even though the song is really creepy. So, essentially, in the end of um, Never Ever Getting Rid of Me, I thought it was kind of cute, actually. Uh, Ogi came in with a with a bouquet to give to Don in the beginning of the song and in the end he throws the bouquet like wedding style and Don catches it and that's kind of like foreshadowing that they're going to get married. Uh, in the end of the song uh, Jen, Jenna reminisces about like being in love because she sees this entire sequence as young love and not as like weird stalkerish thing for some reason. Um, I would be concerned about my friend if I were her. But that's fine. So uh, she kind of like reminisces about it, uh, about her young love. And uh, we hear the sugar butterfly in the background, which reinforces it for me that it's like a divine call. Because after that, she called Dr. Pometer and make an appointment with him. And we can assume that while she sees this display of cute lovey-dovey thing, to her at least, um, she thinks about somebody that she likes in a special way. So um, essentially she makes an appointment with Dr. Pometer and they meet the next morning and this is how we get the next song which is Bad Idea. It's a pretty good bad idea I know you hate the song. So. I hate the song a lot. It's my it's the song I like least in the entire musical. I really dislike it. Is it because this of and the, the music reprieve? or or because of the plot? Oh, it's absolutely 100% because of the plot. The music is okay. I guess like it really depends, right? Like somebody say that um like it's pretty fucked up. But other people like thought it was fine. Like Jenna deserves to to like be happy with somebody. And yes. this doctor. My complaint actually is not about Jenna. It's definitely about Doctor Fowler. Um, okay. Okay. Do yeah. That. I mean, it's colored by the fact that I know he's in a happy marriage, and his wife is actually really nice. That's why I dislike the song because personally, I can con- like uh, I can condone Jenna's side of the story. But I definitely condemn his side. This but was that, also the last time. Yeah. Sorry, before um, intermission. And then, so at the beginning of Act 2, we have um, Becky's song, which is mm-hmm. I Don't Planet. 
So Becky, what do you think about this Becky song? <laughs> um, so oh my god, I want to do I wanted to do that one so badly. You have no idea. I felt it. I felt it. <laughs> I, I felt like a smirk or something. That what you were saying, the words. I was like, oh no, oh no, no. It's coming. <laughs> she realizes coming. there is a character. Whenever, if we get a Claire, uh, like a Claire character, I swear to God, you're getting like your comeuppance <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and Claire we'll is a much more popular another. name than Becky. That's true. So, <laughs> we'll see if there's um, another Claire. <laughs> I bet there, I bet there is for sure. Um, but yeah, essentially, the reason why we get the Becky song is uh, Jenna is baking a pie, and while she's baking a pie, she stumbles upon. Uh, Becky and Cal and they're also canoodling which means uh, both Becky and Cal are cheating on their spouses as well so they're actually in a very similar situation to Jenna and uh, after uh, Jenna sees this kind of display um, she confronts Becky about it when she sings the song I didn't plan it this is essentially what she says and then we get to learn a little bit more about the reason why Becky is kind of having the affair She's essentially saying, I have a void <laughs> inside of me and I need somewhat, somehow in some way to feel alive. And that ties back to her opening up segment when she says that she didn't have a happy end. And also with nothing I can feel, nothing I can have kind of segment from a soft place to land because she doesn't have a dream. So again, we're going back to like the lack of substance in her life. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting. I think, again, it ties back to how I think um, Dawn and Becky are reflections of Jenna. This mm-hmm. is the Jenna side that has an affair and who wants to say, this is what I want, this is what I need. So in a way that I'm almost um, certain that like Becky is the more assertive version of Jenna in a sense and that you probably see that Jenna's like still kind of like holding back when she finds out about this affair that she judges Becky so mm-hmm. inside of her she knows that she's not supposed to be having an affair but mm-hmm. she does it anyway and why mm-hmm. because of the reasons that Becky gives her because she needs it and she wants to feel alive Mm-hmm. So I definitely see that reflection here. Like it's almost to me, almost feels like a song that Jenna's others have or like other self is singing back to her. So it's kind of For like sure. an internal communication inside Jenna, like this conflict. Like she's trying to explaining and justifying this affair thing to herself, um, just so that she can stop judging herself. Is what I got from this. Totally. Okay. So yeah, I mean, completely agree with that. What you said about the um, like Jenna needing the relationship corresponds to my thoughts about the the lack that she has. So like Becky mm. has the lack of nothing I can have, and then one of two of Jenna's lacks is nothing I can feel, nothing I can, uh, nothing that I know. So her affair fills up the nothing I can feel mm-hmm. because. Prior to having that relationship with Dr. Palmiter, she does it. She did. She never knew how to be in a loving romantic relationship or um, a relationship with a partner, rather than like a, a mother-daughter relationship with her either being the daughter or the mother later on. I guess. Um, yeah. 
the last thing I wanted to say about the song is like another parallel, I guess, between Jenna and Becky. So in the previous song, one of the most important lines, I guess it was a pretty uh, good, bad idea. And um, Becky sings here and a good mistake needed making. So saying that a good mistake and a good bad idea also parallels, in my opinion, between Becky and Jenna here. Mm -hmm. After this, we essentially cut to the diner again. Joe asks her about the contest. So really, we get to see that he cares for her very much. He's very paternal, very loving and caring in his own way. I love Um, Joe. Very sweet. I I can tell. I can tell. So yeah, after that, we uh, get to see Dr. Pometer. Um, Jenna goes back to him for a checkup, and we learn that she's been avoiding him for a month, uh, presumably because she feels really guilty. And we get a cut to a reprise of Bad Idea, which I hate even more, because this part is really explicit. Yeah, that's, th- this part is essentially why I said not friendly to children under 12. It's very visually like a- disturbing. Yeah, you get to see a sex montage, and it's very uncomfortable, especially if you go to see it with your friends or your family. Yeah, that it was a very awkward song to listen to. I remember, like, in the theater sitting there, I was just thinking, oh my god, like, did they actually just do that on a stage? But, <laughs> so yeah, don't bring your kids too. to this. Yeah. You're gonna have a hard time explaining what happened. Moving on from there, we got a very sweet... Very touching song, uh, You Matter to Me. And Dr. Pometer um, essentially goes to the bakery. He uh, shows interest uh, in her interests. So he's like, please teach me how to bake a pie. So uh, if anybody doubted that there is an emotional connection in there and actually a loving relationship where they care about each other as people, this is kind of like the song that symbolizes it. And I think musically, it's also very, very pretty to listen to. What did you think? Yeah, I agree. I think this is like the moment when Jenna realizes that like now she has somebody in her corner to love her and care for her. And this is something that she was not used to. Yes, 100% agreed. Um, After this, we cut to Ogie's and Dawn's wedding. And I have a real question here. In this point, Jenna is very 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 pregnant Mm -hmm. but she hasn't given birth yet and um ogie and don had their first date after she learns that she was pregnant which probably happened like a month in or something like that Mm -hmm. how on earth did jenna not give birth yet isn't that like unusual (laughs) i don't want to pass judgment here on anybody but like Getting married so quickly is a bit strange to me. Really? Usually. I think a lot of people do that, to be honest. Really? Yeah. They've known each other for less than a year. Yeah. Becky would be surprised. I mean, I am very interested to see the statistics of how long that relationship lasts and we what should, are the divorce rates. Yeah, we should look it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like... It might be like my uh, Western, like central to West, like thinking, but it just seems so strange to have that quick of a wedding. So that's something that I took notice of. But um, in terms of the song, I Love You Like a Table, it's like a cute song that uh, Ogie sings to Dawn throughout the wedding. And then, like, Dawn affirms 
her love to him in that song as well. So it's kind of like a, a mutual kooky little love song. I don't have much to say about it, to be honest. Yeah, it's just cute. All right, move it on. <laughs> Let's speed it up. Um, <laughs> we get to take it from an old man. Yeah, I like this song very, very Do you? much. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's like this is the very rare occasion when we see another male character in the show that shows that he cares about Jenna, really. In a non-romantic way, of course. Like, I think right. this is so... It really brings tears to my eyes Like when I think about Aww. this. It's like it's like how a stranger, really, is Joe, um, cares about Jenna to the level that he would eventually leave the restaurant with her. And I'm That's very really happy for, for Jenna, really, to have somebody mm-hmm. like Joe to to care about her and to look out for her. That's very mm-hmm. lucky. Oh, I truly feel like the way you feel about this song is how I feel about, uh, like, Soft Place to Land, because it's an important highlight of Jenna's relationship that is platonic, or in this case, familial even, Um, and I see it in their friendship between the three main characters, and I feel like you see it more within, like, her relationship with Joe, Um, so I feel like I completely understand why you love this so much, I just personally see it in another place yeah so right after the father-daughter song would take it from an old man um you get earl storming to the wedding um he demands for jenna to go back there he seems very violent very aggressive when they get to their house um he found the money that Jenna has been hiding. Um, he demands and begs from Jenna to say that she had, she like saved all this money to get him a present for him, essentially. And um, when Jenna said that she's been saving it for the baby, uh, he's really crushed. And um, after this, Jenna writes a letter to her baby. Um, and then right after she finishes writing to the baby, she goes with the song She Used to Be a Mine, which, as Clara mentioned, is the song. Um, it's also the first yeah. song Sarah Borelius, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, uh, wrote for the <laughs> musical. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very beautiful. It's very touching. She is messy, but she's kind. She is lonely most of the time. She is all of this mixed up and baked in a beautiful pie. She is gone, but she used to be mine. I think from many levels, this is the time when Jenna finally can admit that her past self, like her true self, mm-hmm. was lost mm-hmm. for a very long time. And in the very long time that she she finally realizes that she needs to do something mm-hmm. to bring that old self back. Right. Because now she's looking at her still, you know, yet to born new baby. I think maybe it's that moment when she realizes that she is now having to become a mother she mm-hmm. needs to take care of this child of hers. And to protect that child, you can't let her repeat what you've gone through. 
So I think this is a moment of transformation or like the recognition, the sure. the the realization to me. And I think this is why this song is the song of the musical mm-hmm. because it really outlines like th- from this point on, Jenna is different. She changed. I I think like everybody can see a little bit of themselves from this song. Maybe you had a different dream, you have a different vision and different life in mind when you grow up and look at where you are right now. Maybe you're in a different place than what you have expected before. Mm-hmm. And but to be able to gather yourself up and to prepare yourself to okay, now this is the time I'm gonna leave and I'm going to go back to the self that I once was. I think that is a very brave thing to do for anyone really, especially for a mother sorry. like like Jenna. Yeah, sorry. You said leave and going back to the self I was once I once was? Yeah, like that really hopeful and adventurous and courageous. I could not see it more differently than you. Wow. Really? So it okay, might be the pessimistic, ahead. like the pessimist in me, but the way I read this song is completely mm-hmm. different. In fact, polar opposite than okay. how you did. Like, what I got is a is a requiem to yourself. Like, she's sacrificing who she is and everything she represents for the future of the baby. She's like, oh, you know, now that Earl took my money, and she's like, I cannot make anything of my life now. I'm tied down to this town, and that's why she's like, if I could, I would give everything back to not have you as a baby and to have myself as a better person so I I figured that she's like lamenting who she became and the way that her life came to be in such a tragic way but it all in all like this is definitely the climax of the story and I totally take it as like I am so sorry this is the situation I am. I'm so sorry this is who I become. I am so frustrated this is the way that I am. And I can't change it anymore for myself, but I can save my baby. That's the way I read it. I don't read it as a hopeful at all. I read it as a very tragic, sad song. Okay, well, that's a different take. But oh, for I'm sure. okay with that. <laughs> I, I'm so, but I'm so fascinated to see this is your take. Yeah, well, honestly, like, I think what I got was that she is, okay, the line says, it's not easy to know, but I'm not anything like I used to be. And yes. when this, like, I used to be, I'm imagining she's referring to the herself when she was still in an abusive relationship. Oh, so, I thought she was referring to herself in the dawn stage. Again, going oh. with the theme of, like, Don Becky is, like, past future. I'm imagining, like, oh, she used to be a really vibrant, happy person, and she's not that anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I see it kind of as, like, I, I, like, I'm not that girl who will tolerate all this abusive relationship anymore, is what I got. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's okay to have different opinions, and, you know, I'm actually curious to see what I'm, what other people think too so for sure for sure I mean I that's that's the whole point for me like for me it's like the fact that you have a different opinion is like oh it can generate an interesting discussion it's like I would love to know why you think what you think and like love to explain why I think what I think and like try to see each other's perspective like for me that's what everything is all about so in between she used to be mine and the next song which is everything changes everything does change um essentially all the conflict gets resolved like this right before or right during the song she breaks up with earl she breaks up with dr pometer she has her baby it's a girl her name is lulu uh joe dies 
he leaves her the diner. So yeah, she thinks everything changes. And honestly, we can just put opening up, which is like to see the combination the of the changes, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't have much thoughts about them. Yeah, They're me too. Generic. It's kind of just like a generic like ending song where everyone is like happy and she gets to you know move on to the next stage of her life and everything seems to be back on track and everything is hopeful and great. That is pretty much it. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay, that's great. So before we give you the final concluding thoughts about like the musical and like uh, overarching plot and theme and characters and whatever. Uh, we'll just go and tell you a little bit more about like the movie. So as we know, the musical is based on a movie called Waitress and starring Carrie Russell. So in terms of the movie, there are quite a few substantial differences. Just to say outright, I did not enjoy the movie at all. All the characters are white, but uh, there is there is more diversity in the musical, which I think is really great. Uh, I feel like other minorities can feel more represented. There are quite a few big character changes. So Dawn really wants a guy, and she dates all the time. She has no problem with dating, but apparently no guy wants her. And Becky has more of a reason for her affair. So in the movie, it's elaborated her husband is senile and he's um, he has uh, mental health problems. Essentially, it's very difficult to communicate with him and he's uh, quite severely disabled. Um, so very, very big changes, I think, from the musical. In terms of uh, Dr. Pometer, he's not socially awkward, which I'm so mad about. <laughs> I'm so mad about. He's like dashing. And in the musical, he's really cute. Like despite me not agreeing with his actions of like cheating on, on his wife, you get to see like a very caring person, very sweet, very socially awkward, very neurotic, which he supposedly is in the musical as well. Like he says that he's neurotic, like um, in the You Matter To Me segment, it's lifted from the movie. But he doesn't show that he's neurotic even once. <laughs> but yeah, moving on to the to the movie, um, the friendship of the three girls is like non-existent almost in there. Like they support each other way less. I don't know. They they really are not that nice to each other here, and that breaks my heart because that's my favorite aspect in the musical. Yeah. Um, I think that's about it. The only other thing is like. Joe gave Jenna a check instead of the diner when he died. He gave her like a $20,000 check or something. Apart from that, nothing else in terms of the musical movie analysis comparison. Uh, I enjoyed the movie a lot less and I think the musical improved on it greatly personally. Yeah. So what are your concluding thoughts for the musical? So I think Waitress in general is a very... I want to say empowering musical. I think it really like kind of tells you that, okay, women don't have to rely on men. So in the end, we see that Jenna doesn't choose um, Earl or Palmer. Like in the end, she's able to just start her own life on her own with her daughter. I think Mm -hmm. it's a great ending for her. And now she doesn't need, she doesn't need that romance to be the supporting 
source for her to keep going. Like in a way, she doesn't need to depend on anybody. And I think、mm-hmm. that's the beauty of it. Just based on solely on sh- how she is able to get her life back in a way, or、mm-hmm. like in a way to get a new life and to move on.、Um, I think it's it's great, and I I do understand what you mean by like sometimes like the musical maybe oversimplify how difficult it is to leave a abusive relationship. But、mm-hmm. I think it's. It's a musical, right? And sometimes, like obviously in real life, things are much more complicated, and it's probably not as easy. But at least in the, in the show, that it's hopeful, <laughs> and、um, and we、mm-hmm. really see that how she can change from somebody who is so dependent in in a way very shy to stand up for herself until、um, to the very last point, even though it was a little bit hurried. But she was eventually be able to. Speak up and stand her ground, and I think that's just that is great. But in terms of、right. music-wise, I think most of the time, like this music,、um, is very light-hearted. Like it's very cheerful and cute and funny, which is what、mm-hmm. I like about it. And compared to a lot of the other musicals, like it's very, it's a very fun musical to watch. Obviously, not with your kids, especially no, not during not the sex scene, but but. <laughs> It's very fun, and、um, or and cover I think, their like, eyes during yeah, the or... <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Bad idea. But you're gonna laugh a lot, so I think、yeah. that's always just great. Um, so yeah, I think um, in general, I like it, and otherwise, I wouldn't be picking it as a first musical to talk about on our podcast.、Sure. But yeah. but yeah, <laughs> what about you? Um, for me, okay, I'll go with the. Aspect that I like most and least first, and then I'll like kind of elaborate a little bit. So、uh, what I liked here most were、uh, the music actually and the friendship.、Uh, I thought the music was very good a lot of the time. There are a lot of songs that I connected to less, but I feel like the songs that worked really, really worked for me. So、uh, that got it points in、uh, my book. In terms of friendship, that was my favorite aspect of the musical、mm-hmm. um, in general.、Um, And then the worst aspects, plot <laughs> was the worst aspect for me. I really just did not enjoy the plot. I think the big takeaway from the musical was that in order to succeed, fulfill your dreams, or get where you want to get, advance in life, you need to have like various things. So you need to have like luck. That's like Jenna meeting Joe essentially. And、um, another really important aspect is having drive. Wanting to better yourself is a really big aspect, and I think like that's Jenna's biggest change. She went from somebody who didn't actively look how to escape the situation、uh, to escaping the situation she was in and making the decision without necessarily having material backup. And、um, the last important point is having the support system. And、uh, when going all the way back to the beginning of the podcast or episode when I mentioned the sugar butter flour that's what I had in mind needing these three basic ingredients in order to succeed、uh, which is like luck drive and support network one other I guess smaller theme that I really enjoyed was the escapism theme I feel like a lot of the time when you Hear about escapism in the media it's something that is depicted quite negatively but in my opinion here it was like Uh, described very favorably, and I think it's something that is really important in your everyday life to have hobbies and have something that you want to disengage with and like think about something else for a while, because that's your downtime to calm down and process emotionally everything that happens to you. So I really enjoy that they show this in a in a favorable way here.、Um, yeah, I think overall 
Let's give a rating. I give this 6.5 out of 10 pies. Okay, I'll give it like maybe seven. So like very similar. Anyway, so if you have any thoughts or comments um, or things that you think that we didn't really mention and you'd like to talk about, make sure to comment below and let us know. And also you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and I think YouTube as well, going by the name of at Potway Podcast. So don't forget to follow, subscribe, or like the content if you do enjoy our episode today. Yeah, and uh, just as an add-on, you can also find us on Reddit. Hope everybody stays healthy and safe, and uh, we will see you in our next episode. Thank you for listening. See you next episode.